Welcome to episode 146 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Bielow, and I am so happy that you have joined me today. The conversation I have ready to share with you is practical with a big dose of you can do it energy. It was born out of the most recent virtual networking for introverts event that I just held in February. My guest speaker was Patty Kay, who I met back in 2010 when I started the Introvert Entrepreneur. The virtual networking attendees got so much value out of Patty's presentation that I thought it would be a perfect topic to share with you. So we're going to be talking about how to introduce yourself in a way that makes it easy for you to share and easy for someone else to really get what you do. Once Patty and I wrap up our conversation, I'll share a few books that I think are especially helpful in the process of thinking through how to craft your introduction, as well as your bigger message. A quick thank you to those of you who reached out to me to share your appreciation for my last post about liminal spaces. That was episode 145, and it was a blog cast. I knew that I wasn't alone, and you helped me to remember that. Um, so many of us feel challenged by those spaces of transition that are in between the spaces of certainty. We experience the liminal spaces differently than other types of change, because in that space, we really, really don't know what's going to come next. It's not the same as moving from one job to another. It's leaving your job and not knowing what's next. And as it so happens, and this is how the universe works, about a week after I published that post, I attended the annual Search for Meaning Festival at Seattle University. And I found myself that morning sitting on the floor in an at-capacity classroom, listening to Los Angeles-based Rabbi Sherry Hirsch talk about the very moments of transition that I had been describing in my post. Her talk, of course, really resonated with me, so much so that I mustered up my courage and I reached out to her afterwards and invited her to be a guest on the podcast. And to my delight, she said yes. So I'll be talking to Rabbi Hirsch in the near future, and I look forward to sharing that conversation with you very soon. Right now, it's my pleasure to introduce to you my guest, Patty Kay. Patty is a marketing consultant and business coach who specializes in helping people create businesses as unique as they are. Her multi-talented clients offer services that are unique, powerful, and sometimes hard to explain. Instead of niching down into an oversimplified version of their work, which is what most marketing professionals advise them to do, Patty helps them to integrate them into something that she would call a U-shaped business, and that's a Y-O-U-shaped business. Hi, Patty. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I am so looking forward to our conversation. Yay! I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> well, what is making you smile today? Um... Well, I'll probably get slammed for saying this, but gently falling snow. Oh, nice. So pretty. And we should say you're in you're in Vancouver area, correct? I, I am in snowy Canada. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I've seen pictures of people posting in like Seattle and points north of snow. And I look outside and all we have is sort of gray 
here in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of envious of your gently falling snow. As long as it stays gently falling and doesn't create a big mess we have to shovel, I'm okay with it. Exactly. Then the smile ceases to be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's nice to think of our conversation with gently falling snow happening. Um, you and I have talked on this podcast before, but it has been years. And so I'm guessing there are some folks that might be encountering you for the first time. And so I'd love for them to have some context about where do you feel you fall on the introvert-extrovert spectrum? And how has that awareness influenced your approach as an entrepreneur? Uh, I am definitely introverted, although when people meet me or see me speak on stage, they often would argue that point with me. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, because I can I can fake it for a little while. Um, and how has it impacted uh, my life as an entrepreneur? Um, intensely. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I do is that I structure my uh, I structure my life so that I get lots of alone time so that when I need to be more extroverted, I can I can pull it off without exhausting myself. But I have to pay really close attention to my schedule to make sure if I'm doing something that's really people intensive, mm-hmm. that I have some downtime scheduled in immediately after or else I'm in trouble. Yeah, yeah. I've heard some people and, and I've probably felt this myself. They say, like, I know I need that, but I feel guilty or I get stuck with like, I should be working when I'm having that downtime. Um, do you ever feel that way? And, and if so, how do you work through that? I have felt that way in the past. And uh, mm-hmm. experience has taught me that working through it doesn't work. Uh, so I give myself a lot of slack these days. And it's like, you know what, this needs to happen. Because if, if I'm not functioning properly, I can't be serving anybody. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's that whole put your own oxygen mask on first before you can help other people (laughs) kind of metaphor that's so popular. Well, it's popular for a reason. It's good advice. Exactly. Exactly. I'm always like cliches are cliches because there's some truth to them. So yeah, thank you for that. Um, So you and I met like I said, you know, we, we met in person years ago. And um, it was when a colleague and I were doing a series of improv for introverts classes here in, in the Seattle area. And so we've had, you know, numerous conversations over the years. And so I'm glad to be reconnecting. And most recently, you presented in our, um, or I should say, for our uh, virtual networking for introverts event that just happened a few days ago. And you shared about how to introduce our in such a way that people really get what you do. And I thought that content was so valuable that I wanted to bring you onto the podcast to share it with even more people. So I appreciate your generosity, both with sharing at the virtual networking event, as well as now. So let's start out with, you know, what is so challenging about introducing ourselves, especially as introverts? Um, especially as introverts. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yes. No kidding. Um, well, first of all, a lot of us introverts are not all that keen on that whole idea of self-promotion. And sometimes mm-hmm. we have that attached to the idea of introducing ourselves. We need to talk about our business and be kind of self promote And it can mm-hmm. really feel like Um, especially if you're at an event where you have to stand up and there's a whole bunch of people watching you. It's just that sense of having all those eyes on you, um, even if it's only two eyes in a small conversation. And not getting time to think. If we're not that prepared going into an event, it can feel like, 
I have to say something right away to keep the conversation going and it has to be perfect and I have to cover everything. And we put a lot mm-hmm. of pressure on ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. So we know that it's it's challenging, you know, like you say, you know, that the spotlight is on us. And I think you made a couple of good points there, especially about like being prepared. Yes. Um, which I know lots of that brings a lot of comfort to, to many introverts. So, you know, when we have this idea that introducing ourselves is a stressful thing, how can we think differently about that process? I find that the like the one thing that makes all of the difference is to take the spotlight off of us and put it on the other people. Mm-hmm. It's not about here's me, look at me, how wonderful I am. It's all about, you know, this is how I help other people. Can I help this person in front of me? Can I help any of these people in the room? Um, that sort of thing. And just to, to consider the whole introduction process from their perspective instead of our own. Mm, that's a great point. And that's one thing that we're often good at is putting the spotlight on others. And I don't think we think to do that when it comes to the introduction. And if I could just say real quick, you know, what, I, what I'm thinking back at your first answer was around like teasing out that an introduction is not necessarily about self-promotion. Like we collapse those two things. Yes. And to tease them apart can be a really powerful way to shift how we think about it. Yeah, you can just think about it as um, connecting with other people. Yeah, very simple. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you've got some techniques and approaches that we can use to make our introductions flow more easily. Would you share some of those with us? Absolutely. (laughs) I had a feeling you'd say yes. (laughs) So the first technique connects directly with what I just said about focusing on the other person. And this is, this is the most important piece. This is the most important piece is that when we want to be understood in terms of what we do, it's really important that we talk about that from the client's perspective instead of our own. Um, it's, and to think about, okay, what problems do we help them overcome? What results do we help them get? You know, how do we make their lives or their businesses better? And to, to approach it from that perspective so that when we give an introduction, we don't talk about how we do what we do and we don't go into a lot of details about how our business works or our education or our credentials or, or any of that stuff about how it's made. All we talk about is these are the kinds of people I help, people who are struggling with this problem or people who want this thing. And that's what people are listening for. They want to know whether or not what you have to say is relevant. And um, that's what we do as people is we're wandering around thinking about our own problems and the things that we want. And if, if in your introduction, you can hit on those points, you can get somebody's attention and a little bit of their interest and start that conversation. Yeah. I remember from the virtual networking event that you made a big point about that it's not about selling yourself in that moment. It's just about opening the door. It's like a, it's like a knock, you know, um, to get their attention and their curiosity. So we don't have to tell that whole story. And I think sometimes we think we've got to cover all of the bases. Um, (laughs) Don't leave anything out. And oh, yeah, I do this. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, and I forgot this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what else? can help us. Okay, so that's 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 the first one. And that's like really, that's just a really clear, easy template to use. Mm-hmm. Um, 
kind of a go-to. Um, the second one is to tell a little story. And this, um, if you practice this ahead of time and if you put it together, you can usually fit a small story into, say, a one-minute introduction window or a two-minute introduction window at an event. But it works really well when you have a conversation one-on-one. It's just to tell a story of what happened um, with a client or how you work with a client and a really simple structure. It's like, this is what was happening before. This is what we did together. And this is what they got out of my work. And, and that's just a very conversational way of talking about what we do in that frame of how it helps other people. Would you be able to give us an example of what that might sound like? Sure. So one of the clients that I worked with a few years ago was a personal trainer. And he had a fantastic story of himself. He had been in a car accident and had been injured so badly that he couldn't walk. And he managed to, you know, the doctors all said, oh, you're never going to walk again. And he put together his own fitness program and ran it on himself. And not only did he walk again, but he became a competitive bodybuilder. Wow. Now, when he went into a networking event, he could tell that story in Mm -hmm the minute he was allotted for for time and then he would wrap it up and say that he helps people who've been injured either in a car accident or at work get back into into shape. And what was really interesting about that is afterwards he would have people come up and want to talk to him because they want to hear more about the story Mm -hmm. and they would often ask, so do you work with people who haven't been injured? Mm. So it's not even that he painted himself into a box that he only works with these kinds of people, but but he got the curiosity and he made that connection and and people just naturally asked him, it's like, oh, would you work with somebody like me? I'm not injured, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds like you're really good at what you do. Yeah, that is such a great point to expand the application of that to the question of how narrowly do I define my market and people's fear that if I narrow it down too much and just say I work with people who are injured in car accidents, for instance, that that's going to shut out everyone else. But the truth is, like you were saying, if you are presenting it in such a way that is really authentic and is a true demonstration that you're really good at what you do, the people who are going to be drawn to that are going to sort of overcome the, I, okay, I haven't been in a car accident, but boy, you seem like a really cool, competent person that I want to work with. And they're going to ask you the question. Absolutely, because they understand it. Yeah. When we give a very specific story or a very specific example, or we really narrow down what we do to one particular case, uh, people they grasp it. When we try to go up into generalities and try to be all encompassing, we tend to use very weak language. Mm. And it's the kind of thing that that people hear is kind of blah, blah, blah. It doesn't (laughs) land with them. Yeah, I'm picturing the the Charlie Brown, wah, 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 wah. Exactly. (laughs) What I also appreciate is like, if I don't see myself in that, chances are I know somebody who's been in a car accident. Exactly. You know, for example. And so that introduction probably brings up like, well, that's not me but that's John. So I immediately feel some sort of personal connection and like, oh, you're somebody who makes people like the person I love. You make their lives better. That's so cool. (laughs) You know? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so the story, yeah, not to underestimate uh, the power of connecting through story. I'm so glad you you brought that there. And and what are some other ways, too? Because I think you've got a couple more. Um, I've got one more, at least. You've got one more. Okay, good. <laughs> one more. Um, which is uh, a lot of my clients um, have 
complicated services because because they'll combine more than one thing that they do or they have a lot of experience and they, they draw from a whole lot of different sources to, to create this special thing that they do and it might be very new and maybe nobody's ever heard of it before however they you know put their business together and sometimes that can be hard for people to kind of get a handle on and in those cases, if you're if you have that kind of a complicated, complex, brand new, no one's ever heard of it before kind of a, a business, using an analogy to something else can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that that crosses my mind right away was doggy daycare. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at one point there was no such thing as a doggy daycare, and then when this idea of doggy daycare came out it was that connection to regular daycare that made it just instantly understandable even though people are doing something really new um, it's instantly understandable because they're relating it back to something that we all know about yeah exactly and and during the um, virtual networking event you mentioned um, the uh, mechanic yes the computer guy who did you know complicated yeah. computer stuff and and if you've ever heard computer like not not to take a swipe at computer people but they tend to be pretty <laughs> bad and I used to be one so I can say that um, uh-huh they tend to really want to talk about jargon and they want to, um, they're excited about what they do and it's over yeah. most people's heads. Um, so when this fellow introduced himself as a mechanic for computer systems, um, that made it really easy for people to get. It's like, oh, okay, so he does tune-ups and he fixes the problems. And it, like when you start thinking about everything that a mechanic does, mm-hmm. um, you can start to see how he might help people, but he doesn't have to get into the the details around how he does that and specifically um, what kind of <laughs> technical things he would be doing for people. Yeah. And that's such a great point about avoiding um, jargon, acronyms, you know, technical terms that, um, it, you know, there's there's that expression that I love, a confused mind always says no. Yes. And if you are introducing yourself and you start using terms that I would have to be like, what does that mean? It's not so much that I'm curious is that I'm confused. <laughs> so I think there's a difference between I'm curious and asking you a question and I'm confused and I'm asking a question. That is a really, really good point. Because if you get the curiosity aroused uh, um, based on what you do for people, like to talk about a problem that they're experiencing or a solution that they're looking for, they will ask you questions because it relates directly to them. Mm -hmm. But if you drop a piece of jargon that they're not familiar with, that is only really important to you, they don't care. They've got no idea how that relates to their world. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're bombarded by information all day long. How do we know what's important to us? So a little bit of jargon, people are like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't get that. It must not be for me. Yeah. Or I don't want to sound stupid. (laughs) Because they're saying it with such confidence, like I should totally know what that means. And I have no idea. (laughs) Exactly. And you know what? It's not just the technical kinds of businesses that have that jargon. Every industry has jargon. And especially when you hang out with a lot of peers and colleagues, you can fall into that so naturally, like your own circle understands what you mean when you use some of your coaching terminology or some of your uh, wellness practitioners terminology your you know your chiropractor terminology or whatever mm-hmm. um, you get accustomed to just dropping that stuff into conversation having people get it right right yeah I'm, I, the, the expression that comes to mind right away when I think of coaching is like I help people break through their limiting beliefs or something like that and it, it, that seems innocent enough but it might be just enough where somebody would be like okay what do you mean by that and it's and it's not again 
like excitement can curiosity it's more like I don't get it right because um, people aren't wandering around going wow I wish I could get over my limiting beliefs the world would be better <laughs> right. I mean it would be easier exactly if, you know it would be easier for coaches if that's how people think but but instead they're grappling with things like how do I make this big decision um, you know do I do this or do I do that mm-hmm. like why can't I motivate myself I procrastinate all the time you know like those are the kinds of things that they're right. thinking about they're like wow I've had this goal on my list for the last seven years why am I not getting around to doing it um, exactly like those like if you tap into those kind of thoughts you might arouse some curiosity but they're not aware that it's a limiting belief that's causing that situation Exactly. Yeah, well put. And and that kind of brings us back to the very first point that I, I so appreciate. And I think especially for people who are in these professions like coaching or consulting or, you know, you're like a problem solver, which I mean, I suppose all of us are problem solvers to some degree, but we have to speak to people's aspirations, mm-hmm. which is very true. But sometimes we, in, in the spirit of getting to the aspiration, we skip over the problem or the pain point. Yes. And, and we don't speak to that directly enough. And so it just ends up becoming the sort of rainbows and unicorns kind of vision yes. <laughs> that somebody doesn't, they're like, they don't see themselves in it because it feels unattainable yeah. and, and they can't relate to it, but they can relate to whatever it is they're feeling in their pain. And of course, you as the coach, you hope that rainbows and unicorns are in their future. You know? Yes. <laughs> So, you know, whatever that means. Um, But you can't start there. And so many of us start there because we're not comfortable. We don't want to be fear-based. So we just avoid the pain point. But the the truth is you you can speak to the pain point without coming from fear. Right. You can, you can speak to the pain from a place of empathy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, it, you know, it's not about grinding in the pain and making them feel worse. It's, it's acknowledging that that's where they are now. And it's mm-hmm. really important to meet people where they are now. Um, and like this whole idea, like this, um, and this is really tough for coaches. And I understand this. I just, I just completed a, a coaching program. And one of the things that we were taught over and over and over again is that Everything needed to be stated in the positive because that's how mm-hmm. people are going to move forward. And if, if our clients say something that's negative to us, it's our job to kind of twist that around and figure out, okay, if you don't want that, what do you want? Um, so we get trained into this this way of always looking at the positive, which is great for our work, but mm-hmm. not as effective for our marketing. Yeah, not as effective for our marketing because we have to acknowledge, we have to meet people where they're at. Yeah. And that includes, you know, in our introductions. Yeah, so so thank you for kind of unpacking all of those different ways. And and again, thank you for being part of the virtual networking event. I'll share a little bit about that after this conversation with the audience. But um, this is one of those things that we can often get very stymied at. And I've heard introverts in particular say, like, I can't go to an event until I figure out how to introduce myself. And so I don't want this to be that stumbling block that keeps you from putting yourself out there. And one thing you said in the very beginning that I think is important to reinforce is that it doesn't have to be perfect. It's something that, you know, you can practice and it's going to evolve over time as you try different things on. And so not to, you know, let that stop you from just getting out the door and giving it a go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, imperfect can work better. It makes a better connection. Uh, If you sound too scripted and too rehearsed, that can go over people's heads too. So have a general idea of of what you want to say, Mm -hmm. but 
but um, you know, allow yourself to be a little bit in the moment if it's at all possible and be conversational. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I, I'll, I'll add is um, when you're first networking and you're first trying some things out, um, seek out kind of safe spaces to do it. Like mm. I think of, you know, going to like a coaches association meeting for me is a safer space than going to um, uh, some other professional association that is comprised of people in my target market, for instance. Yeah. It feels like it's a, a lower risk environment to practice. Absolutely. I love those smaller events where they put you at um, at tables of five instead of making you stand up yeah. in front of 100 people to do your introduction. And uh, I mean, your, uh, your, your networking for introverts online uh, could be a good place. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I loved that, you know, some people talked about that in the breakout groups and were able to practice it a little bit. So yeah. um, that was that was a really helpful exercise. So Thank you so much for for this, and I, I hope it's given people some food for thought on, and and some comfort um, and structure on how to approach this uh, thing that always seems to come up as a challenge. <laughs> so. Uh, before I let you go, I've got two final questions. Uh, the first one is about Introvert Island. And the last time you were on the show, I think I said you had a year's vacation on Introvert Island. Oh, wow. Which is a really long time. I know. I've, I'd be okay with that. I know. I think a lot of us could use a year, but I've, I've realistically narrowed it down to even a luxurious three weeks. So you have three weeks on Introvert Island, but you've got three books that you can take with you. What would you take with you and why? Uh, well, the first thing I would um, do is break your rules because three books would not last me three weeks. Um, <laughs> So I would take one Kindle loaded up with about 30 books. Uh-oh, you are breaking the rules. I knew you were a rebel, but I didn't realize you were that rebellious. And I'm not, I'm not going to name them. But I, what I would say is that mix of 30 books, about a third of them would be business related. Mm -hmm. uh, a third of them personal development related. And a third of them just really easy to read novels. So of those three categories, is there one in particular that you would be looking forward to reading? Probably the novels. <laughs> yeah. And any any particular novel that's been on your list? Uh, no, and I'm open to suggestions. <laughs> okay. Well, my book group just started reading, um, and I chose this one, We Are All Completely Beside Ourselves. Oh. By Kim Joy Fowler. Okay. I believe. And I'll put that in the show notes. Okay, great. So there's a recommendation for you. Thank you. <laughs> Although I just started it, so I don't know if I'd recommend it, but I'm guessing I would recommend it. So Okay. <laughs> Since I picked it, I have to kind of stand by my choice. So. <laughs> you just picked it blindly. <laughs> I actually I did quite a bit of research. Oh, okay. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, but my criteria was it had to be short enough to be able to read in a six week period, and I wanted something that was um, a little quirky. Oh, okay. It seems like it's going to be a little quirky, uh, not your run of the mill novels. Oh, good. So, how can people get in touch with you, Patty, and learn more about you and what you do? PattyK.com. Excellent. And K, just the letter K, not K-A-Y, but K. Just the letter K and Patty with a Y. Excellent. Perfect. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. Is there any um, social media platform that you're more active on than others? Uh, Facebook probably would be the most. I'm thinking, am I active on social media? I don't think I would use that term. Okay. I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm a lurker. You're a lurker. Okay, very good. I, I totally respect that. <laughs> I am an active reader of stuff on Facebook, yes. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Patty. It's been a delight. Thank you so much, Beth. This has been awesome. Thank you for the opportunity. 
I promised in the beginning that I would share a couple of resources with you that would help to build on the excellent information that Patty just shared with us. The first is a book called Made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath. And it's so good. I, I personally think it should be required reading for anyone who has to influence or sell anything. It's especially helpful, I think, to, of course, entrepreneurs and solopreneurs, especially when you are uh, working for yourself and might not have a marketing team or a board of directors or another group of people that you can be bouncing ideas off of. Um, this book gives you some really good frameworks that you can um, utilize to put your message through and, and start to work it out. I still recommend testing it out with different people and seeing how it flows, but their book gives you a lot of great foundational information. And then another solid resource is Simon Sinek's Start With Why. And I'm guessing if you have seen his TEDx talk from a few years ago, um, you know, you have a basic understanding of what his um, ideas are about how we often will start with describing who we are and what we do by saying what we do. And then we say how we do it. And we often forget to say why we do it. And as Patty pointed out in that conversation, we want to avoid our introduction sounding like the resume or the laundry list, which is what can happen if we started out with the what or the how and instead start with the why, which is one of those ways that we can keep the focus on what's most important to communicate. And if this podcast has you all excited to figure out your introduction and practice it, if you're looking for that new place to practice it, then look no further than the next Virtual Networking for Introverts event that's coming up on March 23rd. My featured guest speaker is Arden Kleiss, who is not only an etiquette consultant extraordinaire, but she's been a guest a few times on this podcast, and she's a personal friend and someone that I highly respect. Arden is going to share tips on how to navigate your most vexing networking challenges beyond the introduction, such as breaking into conversations and leaving those same conversations gracefully. In addition to her presentation, you will have an opportunity to meet a few new people, spend time in deeper conversation in small breakout groups, and exchange resources that will move you closer to your goals. And all of that is from the comfort of your own home or office, just right in front of your computer using the Zoom video platform. Complete information and registration is at theintrovertentrepreneur.com slash virtual networking introverts. And that link is also included in the episode show notes at theintrovertentrepreneur.com slash podcast. If you have questions or comments about this episode or anything else having to do with The Introvert Entrepreneur, I invite you to post them as comments on this post at theintrovertentrepreneur.com, share them on Facebook or Twitter, or email me directly at beth at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. I also welcome your reviews on iTunes if you enjoy this podcast. And if you haven't already picked up a copy of my book, The Introvert Entrepreneur, you will be glad to know that it is available through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and wherever fine books are sold. So I hope you'll consider picking up a copy for yourself or for someone who could use a burst of introvert entrepreneur inspiration and strategy. Thanks to Paul Messing, my podcast producer, to my assistant Naja for the episode show notes, and to you for joining me. It's been an honor to share this time with you. This is Beth Below of The Introvert Entrepreneur, 
And until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job. Thank you.